This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Um, have we all heard of the book of Philippians? Well, in, what'd you say? Who's that? Yeah, who's that? Well, in the, have we all heard of the book of Acts? Well, in Acts chapter 16, we see how the church at Philippi was founded. Um, Paul wanted so desperately to go east. He wanted to go up into China on his second missionary journey. He wanted to get some things done up there. But it says that the Holy Spirit kept stopping him from going into China. And then he has this Macedonian man, or this man from Macedonia calling him, and he has a dream, and he, in it, he sees this, it's called the Macedonian call, where a man from Macedonia, which is, would be modern-day Greece, is saying, come over here, come over here, you've got to come to Greece. And so the Holy Spirit's stopping him going to China, and he's thinking, well, you know what? I guess the Lord's sending me to Greece. So he goes to Greece and he places his feet, or, or he, he's, what's the word I want? He steps for the first time into Greece, into a town called Philippi. And the cool thing about that is this. We would not be here today if Paul had not gone to Philippi. Because that was the first entrance of the gospel into Europe. And he steps into Greece, and he goes to this town called Philippi. And there he would find a synagogue to, um, usually he, whenever he went to a new city, he liked to go to the synagogues and preach. Well, Philippi was a Greek city, and they had some Jews, but you need ten men to start a synagogue. Ten married men. Well, Philippi didn't have ten married men. So they didn't have a synagogue. So then instead what he would do is he would go down and find, you know, on a Saturday, their Sabbath, he would find a group of people who were friendly to the Jews and maybe they were wanting to become Jews and they would find there maybe the seven men, married men, or six married men, one single Jewish man, whatever. They would be sitting maybe in a park or by the river, or, or by some pleasant place where they would then read the Torah. They would read, you know, the first five books of the Old Testament together. And it says that he found one of those groups on the Sabbath talking about, um, you know, Hebrew theology, who Yahweh is, who's the Messiah. Well, him, Paul, then goes there, and his partner at this point is Silas, Paul and Silas, they find this group, and he begins to share the gospel. He begins to talk about the Messiah. And it says there in Acts 16 that somebody listening, it says the Lord opened her heart, and she was able to understand the gospel, and she chose to believe. And so the first European convert was a businesswoman named Lydia. 
She was a seller of purple, which means she had a lot of money. It was very difficult back then to color fabrics, and so she, they would color them with these mollusks that would, they would find under the water. And so she had developed this business turning, you know, um, fabric, coloring it purple, and she probably made a lot of money at this time. And so she, she, the first convert in Europe was this woman named Lydia. Well, he then starts spreading the gospel of the good news around Philippi, and soon a girl who is demon-possessed starts following him everywhere he went. And this demon-possessed girl had what the book of Acts talks about. She had a python spirit and, and a python-type spirit. And this spirit um, of python, it's literally in, in the Greek, she had a python-type spirit. If you had this particular type of spirit, you could foretell the future. Well, this little girl or this demon-possessed girl had this spirit and Men in the town found out this ability that she had. And instead of, you know, maybe helping her out or trying to work out how can we help her, instead they said, all right, we're going to charge you if you want to find out if you're going to win the lottery, if you're going to find out if somebody's going to marry you, if, if you want to find out if you're going to get a promotion Come to this girl, and she will be able, with her pipe, she'd go into a trance, and then she'd be able to predict the future, and people paid her a lot of money to do it. Well, this girl that was possessed with this python-type spirit, it says there in Acts 16, verse 17, she followed Paul and Silas, and she cried out, These men are the slaves of the Most High God who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation. And so wherever Paul and Silas went, they're at the laundromat. There she is. These men are the slaves of the Most High God who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation. You know, they're eating at McDonald's and the booth next door is this girl yelling out, These men are the slaves of the Most High God who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation. Now, you think this is good, right? Because she's saying great things about their God, but she's possessed with a demon. And it says in verse 18, but Paul was greatly annoyed. He was greatly annoyed. He finally got sick of it, and he turned to her, and he said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. He didn't yell at her. He yelled at this demonic python type spirit inside of her and it said it came out right away and so there the early church in philippi you have lydia and then you have this new convert named we don't know her name she was just a demon possessed girl who paul you know got rid of this demon or exercised it and then the third person who started the church there in philippi is this old crusty general, this centurion, who Paul and Silas later got arrested because the men who owned that demon-possessed girl were greatly annoyed that they lost all that money, and so they charged Paul and Silas and the local authorities, beat him with rods, threw him in the inner prison, put him in stocks, and you probably heard the story, right? They're in the inner prison, one of the worst spots you can be, 
They're in stocks, one of the worst places you can be. And at midnight, it says, they start singing hymns and praising God. Which to me, if I was in prison in stocks in the middle of nowhere, and I'm, you know, I'd be thinking, God, you told me to go to Philippi. You told me to do this. And now I'm in prison? And in the innermost prison where you're just thrown to be forgotten about forever? I wouldn't be singing and praising God, but it says Paul and Silas were singing hymns. And it says the prisoners, verse 25, were listening to him. When all of a sudden an earthquake shows up out of nowhere. And it's a very specific earthquake. Because this earthquake only hit the jail. It didn't hit the rest of Philippi. It only hit the jail. And all of a sudden all their chains were loosed. And all these hundreds of prisoners could have ran out. And this old crusty general probably woke up. Because again this is at midnight. He realizes, oh no, I am dead because in Roman rule, right, if you lost the prisoners, you had to take your life as the centurion, as the general, as the jailer, I should say. And this old centurion, he probably came to Philippi to retire, to take it easy. He'd fought some hard battles for the Romans and usually jailers were older men who had fought hard. Well, he's thinking... This earthquake, he runs to the jail, he sees all the gates open, and he's thinking, they're gone, I might as well kill myself. So it says there in Acts chapter 16 that he draws a sword, and he's about to kill himself, verse 27, because he thought the prisoners had escaped. He's drawn it, he's about to kill himself, when all of a sudden, he hears Paul yelling from below in the inner prison, hey! Don't kill yourself. Don't harm yourself because guess what? All of us are here. None of the prisoners ran away, which blows my mind. I'm like, if all my chains were off and the doors were open, I would have gone out and, you know, some hardened criminal, I would have taken off and run for the coast. But I think they were so intrigued by what Paul and Silas were singing. It says the prisoners were listening to them. I think many of them got saved. And so... Instead of running away, they want to find out more. And Paul's saying, hey, stay here. And when the guard, it says, runs down and he sees that Paul and Silas are still there and all the other prisoners are still there, it says he pulls Paul and Silas out of the jail and he asks them this question, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? And then Paul gives the famous answer, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. So this church in Philippi is now got three founding members. A businesswoman, a uh, ex-demon-possessed girl, right? Exercised slave girl, essentially. And an old, crusty general. And they start this church in Philippi to which Paul, 10 years later, Paul's in prison for various reasons. It's a cool story. But 10 years later, he's in prison. And the church in Philippi loved Paul and everything he'd done for them. And so they sent him basically a care package. Because in prison, you, had, you were on your own, really. And you, know, you had to pay for your own prison upkeep. You had to pay for your own food. 
And by the way, Paul being in prison is a bad situation. He's, in, he's under house arrest, but he's chained to another human being for 24 hours a day. Can you imagine being chained to another human being for 24 hours? He had guards would rotate through every six hours. So six times four equals 24. So he was chained to, another, to four different human beings. Can you imagine that? That would just blow my mind. Well, the church there, and I don't know how you would go to the bathroom. Sorry for bringing that up again. I don't know where you would go. You know, how would you eat? How long is the chain? Are they right there? Is it like a 10-foot chain? I don't know, but he's constantly chained to this person. And so Philipp, the church at Philippi, they hadn't heard about Paul, and they were worried about him. So they wrote a letter, and they, they sent him a letter, and this care package... And, and, and they sent it via the, this, this man who, who they sent there to, to carry the package with them. And so Paul writes the book of Philippians to say, hey, I'm okay. Everything's great. Do not worry about me. And this book called Philippians, which he'd write, I'd encourage you to read because it is considered the book of joy. Because... He loves this church. This little church started by a slave girl, a rich businesswoman, and a crusty Roman general. He writes just full of joy. And he's just, it's one of the few letters he wrote where he's not telling them off for something. He's constantly saying, thank you so much for the gift. And it is so great, you know. And Philippians chapter 1, verse 3, I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you. Wouldn't that be great if someday one of the kids you're working with this week said, I remember Nate. I remember Brian. I remember Elijah, you know. I remember, I'm going to try to remember your name. I remember one of you KC people. <laughs> Kayla, Caitlin, Kaylee, Caitlin, Caitlin, Caitlin. I remember Caitlin, you know. I remember Crema. Karima? Karina. Karina. I remember Karina. You know, and I and and it's a happy memory, you know. Can you imagine that? If he goes, I thank my God for every remembrance of you. There's this preacher called Alistair Begg, and he I said it this way. He said, Live your life so you will be missed. I thought that's a good way to live it, you know? Think about it. Live your life so that you will be missed. Some people you're like, well, I don't even remember. Somebody died? Who are they? Or are you I don't think you're happy if anybody dies. But at the same time, you know, you want to live your life so that you'll be missed. So that people will go, man, I miss this person. You know, I miss Lincoln. You know, I'm sad he's dead. You know, whatever. And, and that's where um, I'd encourage you to, to live your life so that you will be missed. And Paul says, I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you. But this is my main point I want to get across today. This story of the starting of this church in Philippi started by a demon-possessed ex-demon-possessed girl, a, a rich businesswoman, and, and a crusty general. You know, they probably didn't get along all the time. Probably the crusty Roman general liked Rome, and Lydia hated Roman Empire, and the demon-possessed girl might have had different opinions. I can't believe they all agreed on politics and all this stuff. But this was a church full of joy, and he writes this letter 
And he says there in Philippians chapter 1, verse 27, and this is what I want you to remember. He says just one thing. Live your life in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Verse 20, chapter 1, verse 27. Just one thing. Live your life in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. And I think that's the basic theme of this book. And we're going to look at some stuff tomorrow as well. But he's basically saying, you know, live your life in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. I want people to, you know, miss me. I want people to remember me. I want people to give thanks. How does that happen? How can I do that? Paul says just one thing. You live your life in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. And I think verses 3 through 11 give you ways to live your life in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. And I don't have time to go through them right now, but I do want to say, you know, I think that would be a good goal for your whole work this summer. To live your life in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ in front of these kids. To live your life in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ amongst each other. Because things are great now, and you're going to, you know, everybody's, you know, everybody likes each other, and everything's wonderful. But, you know, four weeks in, five weeks in, maybe tomorrow, you're tired, you're exhausted, the humidity's got to you, you're sick of, you know, oh, Tom's telling us that story, which I've heard five times again. He's just changing characters, and, you know, I don't know what he, I'm just, oh, I can't believe we have to sit through this again and again and again. And, and then, again, somebody else might have offended you or said something mean or said something hurtful, and you, how could they not realize what they just said was offensive to me? How could they not realize... And you can get hurt and upset. And I would encourage you, live your life in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. You know, maybe it's the type of thing where you need to step back and go, hey, I can let love cover that. I love them enough that I'm just going to let it go. Or maybe you just need to, instead of holding it as a grudge and talking bad about them, you actually go up and say, hey... Elijah, what, what you did offended me, and I want you to know I, I really hurt. And then he says, hey, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do that. And you, you have a conversation, and you make it right with each other, you know. When those kids are driving you nuts, and you really want to take one, and just, you know, throw them over that cliff that you have there, or whatever. You just get angry and upset, I can't believe it. I'd like you to stop and remember this verse, just one thing. Philippians 1.27, live your life in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or am absent, I will hear about you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, working side by side for the faith of the gospel, not being frightened in any way by your opponents. So I just want to encourage you... This little church with people who aren't, you know, the world's most fantastic people were, you know, in terms of the world, you know, they weren't the most famous or they weren't the most rich. Paul says, I love this church and I love these people. And I think it's because they did live their life in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ.
So let's make that our goal this, this summer, to live our life in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. That's my point. So I'll pray and then we'll, we'll go eat. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you for the chance to serve at camp. A lot of people can't afford maybe to stop what they're doing and come serve for eight weeks at a camp or they just don't have that opportunity. And, and I just thank you, Lord, for this opportunity. And I pray that we will feel blessed, not burdened, feel challenged and energized, not discouraged and down because of this. Instead, I just pray that we will live in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ and see as a chance to share your gospel and to tell little kids about you and and, and some kids. If we can get them excited about the gospel and see them saved and excited about serving you at a young age, man, Lord, we can, you know save them from a whole bunch of trouble, Lord. And I just pray that we will share the gospel and live the gospel and that we'll live in such a way that we will honor your name and all we do and say in Jesus' name, amen.